Good evening. It's good to see each of you here tonight. We especially want to welcome our visitors who are with us. We appreciate you being here, and we hope that you'll come back and be with us at any opportunity that you might have. Our sympathy is expressed to Carol Hackney and Catherine Bradford on the passing of their cousin, Charlotte Walker. She died of cancer on Friday. Also to Tony Flewellen and family on the passing of his mother, Mary Flewellen. Her funeral was Monday in Carthage. Gary Eeks is in progressive care at St. Thomas Hospital. He had surgery to relocate arteries to get the blood flow back to his legs. Please continue to keep him in your prayers as well as all of those that are on the uh, prayer list in the, in the bulletin. Uh, we appreciate calls about Clay. He'll be fine. He may have a small fracture in his hip socket. He'll have an MRI on that tomorrow. The family communication dinner will be this Wednesday night at 6. Everyone please bring a dessert or a two-liter drink. The Reaching the Top Fun Night will be Friday, February 4th. There is a 6th through 12th grade Devo tonight. The High School Challenge Youth Conference will be February 4th through 11th. The 4th and 5th fifth, uh, and fifth grade outing will be February 12th. Uh, that's a change. It won't be the 5th. It will be on the 12th. Next Sunday will be our Missions Emphasis Day. Also next Sunday we'll conduct the worship service at Mount Juliet Healthcare. All are invited to attend. The Young Ladies Serving Christ Senior Group will host a parents' night out on Saturday, February 12th for the children of the congregation two years through the third grade. The sign-up sheets are in the foyer, and you can see Janet Mann if you have any questions about that. Thank you. Tonight is our fifth Sunday night singing, and so different ones of our men will be leading our thoughts as we sing and as we read God's Word together. But as we begin, I want to let us know that tonight we'll be focusing on a passage of Scripture that you've probably seen on a plaque or a poster somewhere before. Uh, you might have learned it in an elementary school uh, Sunday morning Bible class. You might even have, have heard it read in a graveside funeral service. And so as we think about this very familiar passage, I'd like for us to focus on a new perspective one that might be easy to miss in the 21st century. Have you ever noticed that there are certain biblical concepts that are just difficult for us to understand as far removed as we are from the original writing? Well, we read the New Testament and we read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all the Jewish traditions that the teachers of the law practiced. And we look at the book of Hebrews and we read about sacrifices and a high priest. And it can get so confusing and we have to really work looking back at the Old Testament, reading through Leviticus, trying to discover what it would be like for a Jew at that point in time in the first century, with all those generations of history behind him, to see the teachings of Christ, to see how revolutionary they would be. That's something we miss if we don't work really hard at it. And at the same time, we see Paul preaching to Gentiles. And we see that he even, on his sermon at Mars Hill, is in a situation where there are idols all over the city, and they're idols to the different elements. I mean, they would worship a god over the sun, a god of the moon, a god of the harvest, uh, a goddess of fertility, all of these gods, and they would even have an idol to an unknown god, maybe one they'd left out. And that's so far removed from our mindset, it's difficult sometimes for us to put ourselves in their place and to understand how their, their thoughts could work that way, what kind of worldview that would be. And so we have to work at it. We have to try to put ourselves in their place. You know, there's a lot of imagery in the Bible about sheep herding, about a shepherd leading his sheep. There are many biblical characters that take care of livestock. David, uh, who we studied about last Sunday morning, 
who turned out to be this king that God used for his glory, started out as a shepherd boy. And then we come to the New Testament, and Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And sometimes it's difficult for us to make the connection of of what that would have meant, and we might even miss out on the richness of that metaphor being used. This picture isn't something we see going down Interstate 40 or, or Lebanon Road when we're going to work in the mornings. We're pretty far removed from a setting where we would see a shepherd and their sheep out in a, in a pasture. And those of you that, that grew up on, on a farm or maybe work with livestock, you're probably a little bit closer to that than we are. But we're so far removed, sometimes we need to, to really work and understand the power that's in the metaphor of the 23rd Psalm, which we'll be looking at this evening. Can you imagine being in the crowd when Jesus stated that he was the good shepherd and knowing the 23rd Psalm? Having read the fact that that Psalm begins by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And yet, as Jesus stood before his listeners, he said, I am the good shepherd. Can you imagine making that connection? Well, as we think about this Psalm from a different perspective, I realize that I don't know much about sheep or, or shepherding or, or sheep herding. And so as, as I started looking through some different writings, I ran upon a man named Philip Keller. He wrote a book many of you may have read entitled The Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. He has some very interesting insights being an, a shepherd and a, a sheep owner and a sheep rancher himself. Some very interesting insights onto what that psalm has to say to us. And I just want to get us to get in the mindset uh, before we begin singing these songs and look at a quote uh, by Philip Keller. As he describes David writing uh, the psalm saying, After all, he knew from first-hand experience that the lot of life of any particular sheep depended on the type of man who owned it. Some men were gentle, kind, intelligent, brave, and selfless in their devotion to their stock. Under one man, sheep would struggle, starve, and suffer endless hardship. In another's care, they would flourish and thrive contentedly. And look at the characteristics he points out of a good shepherd. There were five different words that he used. Gentle, kind, intelligent, brave, and selfless. Here's a man who spent a career herding sheep and ranching sheep, and as, when he describes a good shepherd, that's what comes to his mind. As we think about the good shepherd, as we think about Jesus, look at how neatly uh, the life of Jesus fits into the categories of what a good physical shepherd is. Just look at these different passages that refer uh, to Jesus Christ. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus describes himself as someone who is gentle, lowly in heart. Paul would write in Titus 3 and verse 4 that Jesus was the ultimate expression of the kindness and the love of God. Jesus on earth showed God's kindness. Matthew 7 and 29, we see that Jesus was not only intelligent, he taught in an entirely different way than the scribes or the Pharisees because he taught as one who had authority. He was brave. John 15, he tells his disciples, if the world hated you, it hated me first. In fact, the book of Hebrews would even say he was hated without cause. And yet, going in the face of all of this hatred that he didn't deserve, and all the mistreatment that he hadn't done anything to obtain, he was able to, to maintain that courage. And also, as we see in, under the title selfless, he made himself nothing. Paul says that in Philippians 2 and verse 7 made himself nothing, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. As we think about what Philip Keller has to say about sheep and shepherds, there's a powerful parallel here. He says that any sheep's lot in life is dependent on who the shepherd is. 
Did you notice that in that quote? That the sheep's entire lifestyle depends on who's leading him. And there's a powerful spiritual application to that as well. Our entire lives will not be any better than who we're allowing to lead us. The quality of our life will be determined on who our shepherd truly is. If the Lord is our shepherd, our quality of life will be a certain way, while if we decide to make anything else our main guiding light, if we decide to make anything else the source of our direction, then our quality of life won't even match up to the glories of following the Good Shepherd. It's interesting, in reading his book, Keller also tells a story of the sheep rancher that was next door to him in an adjoining pasture. And he didn't take very good care of his sheep. In fact, his sheep weren't very well nourished. The ground wasn't taken care of. They weren't very well fed. And he said he could remember looking at those sheep on the other side of the fence. And you can just picture these sheep that are, that are malnourished, that are scrawny, and that look like they're struggling to survive. And they're looking through that fence seeing his well-fed, well-taken-care-of sheep. And he said he could almost imagine if they could talk what they would say. And they would say, I wish I were in that pasture. I wish I could have what they have. Do you know, in a very real sense, there are people, not just outside this building, but outside of Christ, who are looking for something. Malnourished because what the world gives them in place of God isn't enough. What the world tries to substitute for worship of the divine being isn't enough. They're looking to us. And so as we think about the shepherd we follow, let's focus on the blessings of following that good shepherd and ways we can call other people to do that. Now before we're led in Scripture and then led in prayer, I'd like for us to read one other passage from Keller's book. As he describes a shepherd, he says, "...the diligent sheep man rises early, goes out first thing every morning without fail to look over his flock. It is the initial intimate contacts of the day." With a practiced, searching, sympathetic eye, he examines the sheep to see that they are fit and content and able to be on their feet. In an instant, he can tell if they have been molested during the night, whether they are ill or if there is some which requires special medical attention. Repeatedly throughout the day, he casts his eye over his flock to make sure all is well, nor even at night is he oblivious to their needs. He sleeps, as it were, with one eye and both ears open, ready at the least sign of trouble to leap up and to protect his own. The same Jesus who told the story of the shepherd that left the 99 to go find the one who was lost. The same Jesus who describes himself as the good shepherd is the same one who leads us today. And so as we read the 23rd Psalm and as we sing praises to our Father and as we, as we think about the implications of who is shepherding us, who is leading us, let's keep that in mind. As we serve the good shepherd, let's find ways we can invite other people into our pasture. I've been asked to, asked to make an announcement correction. Uh, there will be no 6th through 12th grade devotional tonight. Uh, no 6th through 12th grade devotional. Now, if you will, um, I'll be reading Psalms, the 23rd chapter. Uh, be page 491 in your pew Bibles. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, you are marvelous, you are wonderful. Father, we can't praise your name enough. But Father, we thank you for being loving and kind and gracious to us. Father, we must seem like sheep to you sometimes. We're aimless, we stray, we don't know where we're going. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, that he can gently lead us home to heaven someday. Father, we're thankful for all the people who returned safely on the ski trip. Thank you that the Bats family is doing well after the accident. Father, we're mindful of many that are suffering and grieving, some secretly, Father, that we don't even know of, but we ask your blessing on them, Father, because your healing power is great, and help us to be a comfort to those as we, as we can be. Father, we are about to enter in songs of praise. Father, help us to sing from the heart and with the spirit that the sacrifice of our lips will be a sweet savor to you. Father, we thank you especially for the blood of Jesus Christ that keeps on cleansing us of our sins as we ask for forgiveness. And Father, at this time, if we do ask for forgiveness of sins. We stumble often and we disappoint you and we are truly sorry. Father, thank you for the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. We offer this prayer in his name. Number 126, number 126. I'll be reading from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5 and 11 through 16. The 
This can be found on page 950 in your pew Bible. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the, door, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But the hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Five hundred and eight. Five hundred and eight. A wonderful Savior is
we continue to reflect on this psalm, in just a moment, Joe is going to come up and he's going to lead us in a scripture that will signal a change in our perspective and what we've been singing about. We'll sing about the Good Shepherd, but we'll also begin singing about how that shepherd became a lamb. It's very powerful the imagery used for Jesus describing him as a lamb of God. And as we think about lambs and sheep, it's helpful to use another Philip Keller quote as he describes a sheep that has been turned over on its back. They refer to it sometimes as a cast sheep. And you've probably heard or even seen a description of a sheep that gets turned over on its back and just can't roll back over. He says that a cast sheep is a very pathetic sight. Lying on its back, its feet in the air, it flays away, frantically struggling to stand up without success. Sometimes it will bleed a little for help, but generally it lies there lashing about in frightened frustration. If the owner does not arrive on the scene within a reasonably short time, the sheep will die. He would go on to say that the sheep most likely to do that are those who are fat, that are well-fed, that are well taken care of. Isn't that a challenge as Christians? The better situation we might think we're in, the better taken care of we are, the easier it is for us to tip over and to need the help of our shepherd. As we think about characteristics of an average lamb, I just want to put this in our mind before we continue singing. The average lamb, as Keller describes it, would be weak, would be unintelligent. In other words, they would follow their leader wherever the leader would go. And not only that, but would be fearful, not just of, of parasites and of predators, but fearful of, of friction with its peers, with the other sheep. He describes fighting that would go on, and a sheep can't lay down if it's fighting with another one. He also described a fear of the unknown, new places, sometimes scared sheep. I thought those parallels with us uh, were pretty remarkable. So many times we think we're strong and we're not, we think we're smart and we're not, and, and we think we're brave and we're not. And as we think about the paradox of the Lamb of God, the one who came, a shepherd who became a lamb, uh, we find that the one who created mankind became a human. The one who knew God's plan lived among people who were completely missing the point. The one who faced our worst fears triumphed in death. You know, Jesus lived among people who were weak, who were unintelligent, who were fearful, who were just like me, they were just like all of us. And yet Jesus showed us how to live that life. The good shepherd became a lamb. And as we continue to think about that paradox, we'll read passages from the book of Isaiah and we'll sing songs that focus our mind in that direction. Scripture I'll be reading from is in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 6. In a few Bibles, it's on page 652. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid, laid on him the iniquity of, of us all. Number 300, number 300. Will you stand with me as we sing out? Number 300.
I'll be continuing reading in the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 53, reading verses 7 through 12. Again, it's on page 652 of your pew Bibles. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. For you, will, for you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Number 150. You might open your books. This is a, probably a newer one to some of us. For 150. <clears throat> Mark number 924 in your songbooks. We'll sing number 924 in just a moment. I appreciate Phil as uh, he is willing to, to lead those songs, and I'm the one who decides on the songs, so uh, I didn't realize we didn't know that one until Phil got up there, so I appreciate him, and, uh, and we'll continue to learn that one. Beautiful message, worthy is the Lamb. 
We see a picture of Jesus in the New Testament as the Good Shepherd. And we also see Him pictured as the Lamb. And so the question I want us to leave here with tonight is who is your shepherd? If you've never read the book, The Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, it's worth reading. He tells several stories. The one earlier about those neighboring sheep and the way they looked over into his pasture. He also tells another story about one of his sheep that always liked to, to try to get right at the edge of the fence. And it didn't matter where the shepherd led, that sheep was always trying to get to the edge of the fence, was trying to, was trying to dig a tunnel or dig around where it could get under and could get away from the shepherd. In fact, that sheep started teaching her lambs and other sheep those same kind of tricks. And before he knew it, he had a whole herd of, of sheep that were trying to get out. They were trying to get out of the pastures he was leading them to. And he even described leading a group down, and he had a beautiful brook he was going to take them to. Those still, quiet waters in Psalms 23, that's about a picture of what this brook would have looked like. Beautiful water. And he knew exactly where it was. He was leading them directly to it. And then he talks about a group of lambs that decided to go off to the side. There were some muddy puddles. There was no telling what it collected in those puddles. Uh, there was no telling what kind of diseases they could get. And the sheep's immune system isn't that strong, so disease could very easily kill a sheep. But they were so intent on drinking out of these muddy puddles. See, they couldn't even see where he was leading them. It was a beautiful, clear stream. The other sheep that he led there had a great deal to drink. They were satisfied and they were healthy. But those stubborn sheep just thought they knew what was best. And it didn't matter where he was leading them, they decided these puddles are good enough for us. It's an interesting picture of, of two groups of people. The sheep outside the pasture we talked about earlier, the ones looking in, they just wish they could be a part of that flock. And then even those in the flock who might be nibbling around the fence a little bit. And maybe we're being led this way, but I think this puddle right here is better. And that beautiful brook, that sparkling stream... Well, that's great, but I'm going to stay here with this puddle, and I'm going to try to take as many of my friends with me as possible. I want us to leave here asking ourselves the question, who are we allowing to lead our lives? Who is shepherding us? As we reflect back on the words that we've read, we know that when the Lord's our shepherd, we shall not want. Now, as we think of men and women who've served God through the ages, several of them were poor. Several of them went without earthly possessions. In fact, several suffered. But we know that on an eternal scale, we won't be wanting for any spiritual blessing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Interestingly enough, in order for a, a sheep to be able to lie down, they have to be free from all the parasites. If there are some ticks or some other bugs on them, they won't, they won't lay down. They'll stand up. And in fact, if they've been fighting with another sheep, until that conflict is resolved, they won't lay down. And another thing that uh, Keller points out is that they won't lay down unless the shepherd is there with them. See, the shepherd's presence changes the sheep's attitude. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. We know that if we follow the Lord as our shepherd, if we look to the good shepherd that He'll lead us in paths of righteousness for His namesake. And though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we won't fear any evil. Jesus had every reason to be afraid. And yet we know if we follow Him, we won't have to. And as Jamie read for us, the Lord will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. We see that picture of Him anointing our head with oil. My cup runs over. And it's interesting, Keller in his book talks about the different kinds of treatments 
for sheep that they would use to cleanse a sheep. He said, in fact, anointing wouldn't be uncommon for Near Eastern sheep herders to use as a method of trying to get all the disease-ridden fleas and ticks out of the sheep's wool. And if we want goodness and mercy to follow us all the days of our lives, if we want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, we have to make a decision on who our shepherd is going to be. And I don't know which flock you belong to. You might be here this evening and you fit in that category of a, of a sheep that is not satisfied with the current state of affairs, looking through the fence, trying to discover what those other sheep have. And the great news is, unlike those sheep that Keller talks about, we can decide who we follow. Those sheep had no control over who their shepherd was. We do. And if we want to be a part of the flock that follows the good shepherd, we can make that decision. We can turn our lives around. We can walk in from that pasture to the pasture that follows the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can do that by obeying His Word. And once we develop a faith that what Jesus said is true, that what God gives us in His Word is true, once we turn our lives around, we repent of our sins, confess Him, and then we're baptized and begin living that faithful life, walking in that flock with Him, following the Good Shepherd, He can lead us to places that we can't even imagine. And it may be that you're here and along the way you've stopped and found some muddy puddles off to the side or, or maybe you found a spot in the fence you just think you could paw your way through and, and you've decided to be distracted by what's going on around you instead of focusing on the Good Shepherd. If all of us are honest, we can see ourselves in those stubborn sheep every once in a while, can't we? We can see ourselves getting sidetracked and distracted. Well, the good news is the power to refocus on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is available to us just as it is to enter into that pasture. As we sing this invitation song, it describes being able to come before the Lord, being washed in the blood of the Lamb, just as we are. And as we think about a sheep coming from that outside pasture into the one directed by the Lord, they can come as they are. When Jesus met people in the New Testament, they came as they were, but He didn't leave them there. And so we can come as we are, but we know in order to follow Christ, there will be changes made in our lives. When those sheep move from pasture to pasture, they change their diet, their actions. They begin following a new shepherd. It's a radical transformation of life. When we come, we decide to be washed in that blood just as we are, but we won't stay that way because we'll begin following a new shepherd and a new master. If you want to make that transformation tonight, please come as we stand and as we sing a song together.
remain standing and turn to number 374. 374. The Lord's Supper is prepared. For those who didn't have a chance to partake this morning, if you'll exit to the rear to the old auditorium or the new fellowship hall, there'll be someone there to assist you as we sing number 374. We'll sing verses 1 and 2.